Hey guys, Pastor Jürgen here. We're so excited you're tuning into one of our amazing messages. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, it's going to be real, and it's going to be powerful. It's going to help you to grow stronger in your walk with God. It's going to put faith on the inside of you. It's going to cause you to be able to walk in greater dimensions of blessing and enlargement so that you can be a blessing to other people. Well, lean in, enjoy the Word. God bless you. I actually didn't grow up around women preachers, but I didn't really understand um, God's design of the family being a father's voice and a mother's voice, he wants that represented in the family of God here at church. We're a family. And so to be able to be under strong male leadership but still be able to have the voice of a mother for you guys is an honor and privilege, and I don't take it lightly at all. Um, I'm so excited, and I honestly have been given a mother's heart for this church. I love you guys. I pray for you. I, I feel what you're feeling. <laughs> and, um, and this Sunday, I, I kind of am in this tension. I woke up earlier than I normally did and went on a walk, and I just felt this reverence for what this day represents, it being Palm Sunday. And then the other side of me just feels really feisty <laughs> because I, I think we find ourselves in a very interesting time in history where um, these things really matter, you guys. The things that we're going to talk about, Palm Sunday really matters in 2022. And um, I, I really, my prayer is that my message would just be a really solid foundation for you to go into the Holy Week, for you to go into the week and hear from God and to allow yourself to have a deeper revelation, understanding of what it is to follow Jesus, what it means to be a believer, what it looks like to share the gospel. And um, I want to challenge you, make it a priority to say yes to the things of God this week, whatever that looks like to you in your personal devotion time. Maybe wake up a little bit earlier to, to hear from Jesus for yourself. Set that alarm and get to men's and women's prayer on Tuesday. Be here on Wednesday night. It's going to be a communion service where we're going to be sharing around communion, taking communion as a church family. And then make it your mission to get those that need to hear the gospel message, the Easter message to church this Sunday. That's my challenge as your pastor, right? Because God wants to do something significant through you. He's going to do it no matter what. But he wants to include you. And there is revival at our doorstep right now, and it's so exciting. But before we get to the revival part, I think we have a responsibility to really understand what it is that God is doing and what he did thousands of years ago. So I want to paint a picture for you of what Palm Sunday is. I grew up in a Presbyterian church where all the kids marched in with palm branches. I actually was secretly praying that like, I'd find a palm branch on my walk this morning so I could bring it in. I thought it'd be really funny and awesome and symbolic, but alas, there was no palm branches, but I am still going to share with you what Palm Sunday is. Um, and I want to paint a picture of Jerusalem on that day that Jesus arrived. You see, Jerusalem was a pretty small town, a significant town, a holy town, um, where every year during the Feast of the Passover, which is the Jewish holiday that they would remember and celebrate, just as we sang when they were freed from the slavery of Egypt, 
freed from that governmental oppression, and God led them out into the promised land. But there was a day right before they got freed from Egypt where um, the spirit of death came over the city and they killed a lamb and put the blood on their on their door frames. And so every year, they remembered how Jesus spared them. Well, not Jesus, but God. But it was a prophetic picture of what was about to happen. So all of the Jewish people would come as pilgrims into the city of Jerusalem every year during the time of the Passover. Every person 23 and up in a 23-mile radius would come into the city. So there was six times the amount of people in Jerusalem than there normally were. So you can imagine the little narrow roads were filled with people. All the shepherds were bringing in all of the lambs that were going to be slain for all the Passover meals. So lambs were literally infiltrating the city of Jerusalem at this time. There was also a lot of Roman guards Roman centurions, Roman um, people that had come in with Pontius Pilate. Because Pontius Pilate was the governor at the time, and he felt the need to come watch over what was happening. With that many people celebrating liberation from a government, he wanted to make sure that things were kept under control. So he actually arranged to come into Jerusalem through the very front gate on his horse with all the soldiers, the pomp and circumstance. And so at the same time that you had all the pilgrims coming in with their to-do list, you had the Romans coming in as well. So it was this crescendo of all these different cultures and beliefs and people, and the city was buzzing. And this is Palm Sunday. So I want you to just picture the city the city that Jesus came in. And I want to read to you the entire scripture. Um, And in the Gospels, it's referred to as a triumphal entry. This is how Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem that day on a donkey. Follow with me if you want in your Bibles or on the screen. I'm going to read the entire text, and then we're going to get into this. So Matthew 21, 1 through 10. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem... And came to the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you. Lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem... All the city was moved. Can you guys say all? All the city was moved, saying, who is this? And the crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The title of my message this morning is called, A City Moved. 
when I was reading through the passages, I just kept coming back to that verse. And I know we've been in a series called There is Great Joy in the City, and I think how beautiful and prophetic that we land um, this series on Palm Sunday when we see a perfect picture of what a city looks like when Jesus enters the scene. Nobody goes unstirred when Jesus enters the scene. It says in the Bible that the entire city was moved. Not just the crowds that were following Jesus. From the time he had raised Lazarus, he had great crowds following him that were hoping and believing that he was the promised Messiah. The whole city was moved. Not just the Jewish people that had pilgrimed in from the surrounding towns to celebrate the feast of the Passover. The whole city was moved, not just the Roman guards and the Roman citizens and the Greeks and the Gentiles and those that were citizens of Jerusalem. The entire city was moved when Jesus entered on that donkey through the triumphant entry. Wherever Jesus is, the city is moved. There's other translations that says the whole city was stirred. But I want today in this message to be, how did the people respond back to Jesus? Because I think that if we look at our own city, there's something really significant happening. God is giving us a really significant moment, and there are going to be a response from the people in our cities, starting with you guys, the ones sitting in these seats. So this morning, I want to break down the three different types of people that were found in Jerusalem on that day. And as I go through these three different types of people, I have prayed, and I am going to continue to pray, that the Holy Spirit will locate who you identify with in this story, who you identify with as a person and citizen of your city. And I really believe, I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is going to minister to you where you are at this morning, in Jesus' name. Now, one thing to note, and I just think it's so incredible, is that this clashing of all the different cultures and all the different people in Jerusalem, there was pomp and circumstance with Pontius Pilate coming in through the West Gate, but Jesus didn't enter through the West Gate. He entered through the back gate. He entered through the place of humility, representing the Prince of Peace. You see, the donkey was referenced actually in 1 Kings as a symbol of peace. After war, when victory was established, the king would get off of his war horse and get onto a donkey representing that the war was finished, that victory was secured. And Jesus chose that very same symbol, that he would be the prince of peace, coming in not with a sword, but with a way for salvation for all. This is Palm Sunday. This is what we get to remember and celebrate. And you see the clashing of kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. And I want to take a moment to just break down how all of these things are intertwined with one another and where we find ourselves right in the middle. So the first group of people that I want to highlight that were in the city of Jerusalem were the worldly people or the lost. It says that many asked, who is this? And the crowds answered, it's Jesus, which means that there were a lot of people in the city that had no clue who Jesus was. They hadn't heard about him. They hadn't seen the miracles. They hadn't been exposed to his ministry. 
there were a group of people that were still lost and just going about their business. And we see all through the New Testament, all through the ministry of Jesus, how he interacted with those that were lost. It wasn't with, you know, a tapping foot, like, you need to obey these laws, and what are you doing, sinners, keeping on sinning? Like, you need to quit that. No, he always approached them with love. Because when somebody is lost, they can't be held accountable for that which they do not know. You see it in how he related to the women at the well. You see it actually just as a prelude to him making his way into Jerusalem, how he interacted with Zacchaeus. He said, Zacchaeus, I know you've been causing lots of trouble and mischief, but get down. I know you, I can see you in that tree. I'm going to go to your home. I'm going to sit down with you at your dining room table. We're going to eat together. We're going to talk this out. And I'm going to extend salvation to you and your household. This is how Jesus interacted with the lost. And I think it's so incredible because the very first thing that Jesus did after the triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the holy city, is he went straight to the temple. He went straight to the temple and what he found was very disturbing to him. He found that the Pharisees, and I'm taking a little bit of creative liberty here, but I would assume because of how packed the city was, there was a lot of opportunities to make money, there was a lot of tourism happening, but not a lot of room for that to go down. So the Pharisees said, hey, we have some courts here right outside the temple. Come on, you can set up your jewelry stand and your map stand and, you know, buy one, get two free. Like, come on, like, let's just do some business here. Maybe you can, you know, give me a 10% cut, some rent, and, and it'll be a good time. So all this was happening because of the buzz in the city, because of the preparations that were taking place, because of all of the different tourism that were coming in, the people probably wanting to see Pontius Pilate. There was so much happening and so little room in the city that the Pharisees decided they would exchange the courts for a marketplace. So Jesus comes and he finds the scene and he gets indignant. He, he comes in, he doesn't like pull the Pharisees aside like, hey, you know, I see you got a lot going on here. These courts are actually reserved for people to pray and to connect with me. So do you mind just like discreetly closing down shop? No, no, no. He literally walked in and started turning over the tables, started, and this is what it says. I'm going to read you the scripture. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out. That's strong language. Drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, because he is always in alignment with the word of God. He was fulfilling prophecies throughout his entire life on earth. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now, this passion that Jesus had came for his love for the lost. Because culturally in that time, you were not allowed to enter into the temple unless you were from Jewish descent. You were only allowed to stay in the outer courts if you were an outcast of society, if you were lame, if you were blind, if you were a Gentile. The only way that you could connect with God at church would be outside. And they had made no room 
for those people to connect with God. The lost had no chance at being able to pray. They had no opportunities to be able to receive healing. They had no physical place to go. And the very first thing after Jesus triumphantly enters Jerusalem is he goes and you see his love for the lost and how he does not care if he causes ruckus, if it means that people can receive what they have come to receive. Because the very next verse in verse 14 says, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. And he healed them. Jesus came for those that were seeking to be saved. He didn't come for those that didn't want a savior. He came for those that were so desperate for healing, for love, that understood their depravity. It says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And he created a space in the temple for all of those that were wanting him to be able to come, and he healed them. This is how Jesus treats the lost. This is how Jesus fights fiercely for those that want and desire to know him. He said, this is a house of prayer. Do not make this a den of robbers. Because he understood that his mission was to come to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring salvation to those that knew and understood that they needed to be saved. How beautiful it is. What a picture on this incredible day, Palm Sunday, the very first thing Jesus does is show yet again who he is as Savior. He didn't go toasting his disciples like, yeah, I'm here. I'm Savior. It's happening. It was the first time in his entire ministry that he had welcomed excitement, and he had told the crowds, yes, make my presence known. It was the very first time that there was a transition where he entered in wanting people to see his entrance. It was the very first time, yet he didn't come to have a good time. He came so that people would be able to see what was about to happen. He came to fulfill the scriptures, to fulfill the law, so that we could be sitting in here today 2,000 years later, and receive what he went into that city to initiate. How good is God? How amazing is the gospel? And I know that there are some of you in here, and, and a lot that are not in here, that feel disqualified from coming into the temple, that feel like they only deserve to be in the outer courts. But because of what Jesus did, because of this Holy Week where we remember what Jesus did, everyone is invited into the Holy of Holies. Everyone is invited to come in and to receive. And I really believe that there's a moment that we are going to have this week where we get to set things right in the eyes of the lost that we know and love. Where we get to tell them, do you know how qualified you are? Do you know that God loves you so much that he's, he's going to make a way for you and you're going to see miracles happen so that you can come to church? I'm going to save you a seat. I'm going to buy you a coffee. You're going to be my guest of honor because God loves you so much. May we take the posture of Jesus as we go into this Easter weekend. May we take on the understanding that Jesus was willing to cause a scene if it meant that those could be healed, that wanted to be healed. Group number one, the lost. Amen? Doing good? 
All right, so the second group of people that were in Jerusalem were the religious people, the Pharisees, the cringe factor. But I, I want to take a moment to highlight a deeper understanding of who the Pharisees were because, you know, as we read how Jesus interacted with the Pharisees, it's really easy for us to paint them as the villains. But in that day, they were the ones that society looked up to. They were the ones that you were getting parenting advice from, that knew all the wisdom. They devoted their entire childhood to memorizing the scribes, the prophecies of the Old Testament. These were the higher society trusted leaders of the time. But there was also a partnership that the Pharisees had with the Roman government. You see, the Roman government didn't care what the Jewish people did as long as they didn't come above the authority of the Roman kingdom. It's why Pontius Pilate traveled all those miles to keep watch, and the Pharisees were doing his bidding. They were keeping eyes on the crowds. They were making sure everyone was controlled. It says here in... Luke 19.38, when Jesus came into, into Jerusalem, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Jesus' response was, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That song that we sing about stones comes from Palm Sunday when Jesus came in and the crowds were praising him and the Pharisees knew that the Roman government was there and the Roman government had said, hey, we'll let you do your thing as long as things don't get too crazy. And the Pharisees saw this revolution coming, this uprising coming, and they went straight to Jesus and said, quiet the crowds, control them. The Pharisees were gripped by a spirit of control. They were gripped by a spirit of religion, a, a Jezebel spirit that seeks to silence praise. Does it sound familiar? 2020, we see the spirit of control released through our nation under the guise of safety, that we can't worship because particles of COVID might jump on our neighbor and make them die. We have to shut our church doors because we don't want to cause too much commotion. We want to try to snuff out revival. We see this playing out over and over throughout history. But during that day, the religious leaders were represented through the Pharisees. We see this need to control and comply with the Romans because the Pharisees, right before Jesus came into Jerusalem, had begun to plot to kill Jesus. In John eleven forty six through 48... We see, I'm going to read it. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. You see the fear and the control that they were devoted more to the government. They were devoted more to rules. They were devoted more to religion than they were to people. They were willing to not let people receive healing, not let people rise up and receive 
what Jesus came to offer because they would rather keep everything nice and pretty and controlled and packaged. And I cringe because this was me. I grew up in a church. It was a beautiful church. But I let my heart become open to religion. And I began to let the decisions of my life be led by religion rather than obedience to Jesus. To where I would choose to not say something to somebody because I wanted, I didn't want to offend them or I wanted them to feel comfortable or, you know, if I invite them to church, what will they think about me? I kept myself silent just as the Pharisees did because I wanted to keep the peace. But we see at the temple, Jesus was not worried about keeping the peace. He was on a mission to bring what only he could bring. May we not be like the Pharisees in 2022. May we not be like this big group of people that were in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, who right in front of their eyes, the very prophetic things that they had taught from the Old Testament as the prophecies were being fulfilled, they couldn't even recognize it because they were blinded by that spirit of control. They were blinded by the things, the very things that would keep them from recognizing Jesus as Savior and Lord. This was the second group of people in Jerusalem. It goes on in John 12, 42 through 43. It says, yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise from God. They loved human praise more than praise from God. I see Awaken Eastlake as rebelling against that. I see a church that is willing to put themselves outside the comfort zone of what it looks like to have a nice family and a good nine to five job. I see all of that being put at risk in order for there to be revival in our cities. I see a church here at Awaken Eastlake where we are so concerned about ushering in revival that we do not care about the approval of man. We will not be intimidated by people that try to keep us silent so that we can see revival happen. It's happening, people. It's happening. We see blind people healed. We see cancer disappear. We see people throw their canes out because we have created an atmosphere where we are not seeking the approval of man. And I want to honor Pastor Jurgen again because he is so fearless in how he leads our church. He understands the gospel. He understands that in order to establish the kingdom of God, we violently rage against the things that try to shut it down. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Palm Sunday is significant because it is the ushering in. It is the starting line of the gospel of faith that we get to carry in our hearts today. I see a breaking out and a breaking free from the ways that some of us were raised by good-intentioned people that let a spirit of control, a spirit of religion come in. And God has so much adventure for us, church. It is so adventurous to live a life completely surrendered to him. It's going to be fun, you guys. I'm just telling you, this week is the start of something great. <laughs> Amen.
Which leads me to the last group of people represented in the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the believers. The believers. It's us, you guys. So the disciples were there with Jesus. Before their eyes, they were realizing, oh my goodness, he really is the son of God. Like, he really is Lord. This is happening. The fulfillment, it's happening right before our eyes. There was also children there that saw and believed. And I love right after the temple scene, and Jesus heals the blind and the lame. I'm going to read the scripture to you. In Matthew 21, 15 through 16, it says, But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? I want to honor our kids' church. I want to honor Ruth and Jorge and Pastor Bethany and all of the people that serve week in, week out because they understand that God has put on the inside of children the need to praise him. And we're going to kindle that fire and we're going to encourage them to never lose their voice, to never lose their faith. We are a church that is generational. We understand that the kids are the church of tomorrow. And just as Jesus recognized in them their believing hearts, may we learn a thing or two from those kids that in the face of adversity with the teachers of the day, the Pharisees saying, shh, like what are these kids doing? Jesus said, no, no, no. Don't you know that this is exactly what they were created to do? It's exactly what we were all created to do. We were all created to praise. We were created in the image of God. We were created to be a reflection of heaven. We are created to establish the kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We have a mission, we have purpose. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Don't let anyone that's not rooted in the word of God tell you who you are. Don't let any worldly agenda sway you or confuse you from what the word of God says you are. You are created in the image of God. It's no reason that there's an attack on identity. Because if you don't know your identity, then you don't know your purpose. And if you don't have a purpose, then you're useless. You're like a walking zombie. And the enemy wants to put people into a slumber. That's what the New Testament says. But I believe there's an awakening happening. I believe it's going to start with us. And I believe that just as we saw in that scene on Palm Sunday, the believers were a part of the crowd, but they weren't the entire crowd. Crowds are swayed. And we see this all through history and we're seeing it even right now. We see just a few days after Jesus came in and the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Not even a week later, the crowds would be shouting, crucify him. Will we be the believers that in the midst of adversity, in the midst of the crowd saying something contrary to the word of God, that we will still say, Hosanna, 
Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us. I believe that just as we saw in Palm Sunday, there is a remnant of believers that will withstand the tests of approval of man, will stand the tests of the adversity, will stand the test of that spirit of control, that religion that keeps you living a just okay life. And I believe that right now, God wants to set some people free from that bondage. Maybe it's the first time that you're just, it's clicking your head like, oh my gosh, I've been living under bondage and I didn't even realize it. That's the beautiful thing about the house of God is this room is sealed, your thoughts are clear, you don't have to be confused. It says wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's, it says in the word of God that wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is power, love, and a soundness of mind. On that Palm Sunday, there was a small portion of people that recognized Jesus for who he is. But fast forward, we get the privilege of seeing the complete story. We get the privilege of seeing the outworkings of what happened after that day. We see that Jesus went to the cross to take on our sins. The sins that you haven't even committed yet, he took on that cross so that we could live free and justified. And most importantly, so that we could have a connection with our savior so that he could be glorified through us. What an invitation church. If you guys wanna to stand to your feet as I close the service. I saw a picture of a lot of us that because of the challenges in life, because of the seasons that we find ourselves in, you know, in the word it says that we ourselves are a temple for Christ. Christ inhabits us when we become a believer. But just as that temple got crowded with the marketplace, it's so easy to fall into the trap of letting our own hearts become a place not to connect with God, but to be distracted by the ways of this world. And Jesus wants to turn over some tables in our own hearts this morning. Not to condemn you, but because he loves you. Because he wants to make a way to connect with you so that he can heal your heart. So I'm gonna pray a prayer and then I'm gonna invite my husband up to close the service. But if you want Jesus to do some clearing out in your heart, I just want you to close your eyes and lift your hands to heaven. And I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit would bring freedom, would bring clarity, would bring a renewal so that you can go into this week with a foundation laid, that Palm Sunday will be a day that I choose Jesus, that I will choose to see him for who he is as savior over my own life. So I'm just gonna pray, Holy Spirit, I thank you, God, for this amazing Sunday. I thank you for every hand raised all over this room. I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would remove idols, that you would remove distractions, that you would make a way. I pray peace over the minds and hearts of the people in this room. In the mighty name of Jesus, I come against the spirit of religion and I break its power right now over the people in this house. I thank you, God, that we are going to walk in obedience. We are gonna walk with a renewed passion to do what you say, that we're gonna live a life out of our comfort zones, fighting for those that are lost, fighting for our kids, fighting for the future generation. And I thank you, Lord, that revival is here and it starts with us. So I pray right now that you would clear out the tables that need to be turned over, that you would clear out 
the distractions and that you would make a place in our hearts to receive all that you have for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.